his career span from being a street cop to surveilling and catching serial bank robbers, plus his prolonged battles with the FBI. He's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at... L.E.T. Radio Show. Content is from Connecticut. We have retired law enforcement officer Greg Dillon on the phone. Greg is a really interesting guy. He started as a police officer in Brantford, Connecticut. Went to the FBI, worked there for a few years, became a Connecticut State Police Inspector. He's also author of The Thin Blue Lie, An Honest Cop versus the FBI. His website is thinbluelibook.com. Greg, thanks for your service, and thanks for being guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. And you you started back in 78 in police work. I started in 1980, so we're really around the same generation. Uh, I feel like a rookie compared to you, to be honest, though. Well, not only were we the same generation, but we weren't that far apart uh, when I was assigned to the uh, Washington field office. That's right. For people who don't know, I, I was in Baltimore, and we'll talk about the FBI later on, but I was in Baltimore, and he was assigned to the Washington field office of the FBI from, I think, 78 to 85, is that what it was? I'm sorry, 85 to 90. 85 to 90. Gotcha. Yep. One of the things we want to talk about first is people don't seem to understand the difference uh, in my opinion, uh, between FBI and what they do and street cops. And when I say street cops, that's one of the highest compliments I can give to someone. As a police officer, no matter the department, you handle everything from soup to nuts. Yes. And, and, and Jay, I have to say, from my five years of working in the FBI, the most impressive um, agents were those that had a law enforcement background followed by those that had a military background. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I, I can say were, this. Were, I agree with you, Greg. And a lot of it, that's the same with all the federal agencies. I worked a lot with the DEA, ATF. They had more of a reputation street cops than the FBI. I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just saying that's the way we received no. them. But the ones right. who were street cops before had police experience really stood out. Yes. Heads and, t- heads, heads, heads and shoulders above the rest. Yes. So you started in Branford, Connecticut in 1978. You were there for, I guess, about seven years. 
Is it fair to say that you handled everything from you know, domestic disturbance calls to parking complaints to bats in the basement, which I handle, by the way, and uh, flooded <laughs> basements, all that stuff, to murderers, armed people, drugs, you name it? The whole gamut, Jay. You, 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 know the, you know the drill, right? It, one call can be a, a knocked over mailbox, and the next call can be an attempted murder. One of the things, and no, I recall, I, I, I remember preparing for the interview, I'm sitting there thinking, my career, did I, invent, did I ever arrest bank robbers? And the answer was yes. Uh, I, I'd only say a couple right after committing a crime, and a few that were wanted on warrants. But generally speaking, and I'm using the term generally air quotes, when we handled a, a, a call for a bank robbery, the FBI was notified, and our robbery squad was notified, and they took it from there. We just handled the basic stuff. Correct, yes. Yep. Big difference in finding, apprehending, catching bank robbers than there is with regular street crime, uh, especially when you talk about, and I hate to, I'm not belittling this, when you have street murders, it's usually a different type of investigation. How would you describe the comparison, making the jump from police work to FBI? Well, the nice thing about working uh, the criminal reactive squad is is that you're focused on only um, several categories of crime. So, so you're not trying to be the, the Swiss army knife of, of uh, law enforcement. And uh, especially with, with the bank robbers, most of them, uh, well, you, you basically had two types, in my opinion, spree or serial, right? So a spree bank robber would be someone who goes on a tear, whether they just got out of prison or they just discovered this is a great way of making a, a quick buck. Um, they just start robbing banks and it almost becomes addictive. Um, and then the serial bank robber is is someone who's a little more methodical and uh, plans better and um, usually gets uh, larger amounts of currency so they don't have to commit uh, bank robberies as often. And sometimes they'll travel great distances so, so as not to be linked um, to, uh, to, to any type of a pattern. Um, so being able to work those types of crime categories exclusively, you got an expertise um, relatively quickly and you were able to link um, you know, robberies uh, so that you can identify um, different robbers by their, usually by their MO or, or by their physical description or both. Um, so it, it, it became, you know, you had the advantage of not having to try to do everything all the time. You sort of focused on uh, one category almost exclusively. I'm of a different age than a lot of our listeners. And I recall people... Uh, terror groups, for lack of better words, using bank robbery as a way to fund their terror groups. We're, we're talking about the, I guess it's uh, Patty Hearst and all that crew yeah, from the sure. 70s yeah, the and 80s. And, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's yep. a wonder yeah, that, that, that you guys ever catch anybody. That's the thing. It's Some of these people are so good at what they do. And I'm not singing their praises, but they, they plan everything out from their escape to how much time they're in the bank, all this stuff. And TV loves to dramatize this, but it's a wonder right. they get caught at all. Right. But fortunately um, for us, that, that is that is rare. Um, the, the most common type of robbery that we would normally come across would be the solo bank robber who goes in, makes no announcement, passes a note, gets whatever's in that teller draw, and leaves. 
the most common um, and, and probably the easiest to solve because they're just really not, uh, they're, there's no finesse there. There's no real planning involved. Um, and then, you know, the next stage would be the robber who goes in, you know, announces uh, a bank robbery, hits multiple teller stations, and then leaves. So, you know, more dangerous, um, usually a little bit better planned. And then the worst would be what you mentioned before, uh, when you have, you know, two or three or more that basically do a bank, tanko, a bank takeover and try to make access to the to the vault. Uh, or they try to time it when there's just been a delivery uh, from an armored car. So fortunately, those are rare. And, um, and, and that's a good thing because they are difficult to, to solve and, and they're the most dangerous of, of all the uh, of all the uh, robbers. One of the stories that comes to mind from Baltimore, from my days there, is in, in downtown Baltimore, we had the credit union where all the police did their daily things and they would issue a check. And across the street was a, a bank. And you go in there and cash it or whatever you're going to do. And the story was someone right around 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, and this is kind of a spree guy you're talking about, announced a mm-hmm. robbery at the bank across the street from the credit union. And he pulled out a gun and said, this is a stick-up. And about 30 off-duty Baltimore <laughs> yeah, police go too well. pulled out their guns and said, oh, no, it's not. And it was over before it ever got started. When we return, we're going to talk with Greg more about investigating bank robbery, in particular, the Red Line Bandit, his uh, involvement with that. Some of the things that, without giving away trade secrets, of how these people are caught and things that people aren't aware of when it comes to modern-day bank robbers. And then we'll talk about his battles with the FBI. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Return our conversation with Greg Dillon in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique Program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to HarmonyWithFood.com and click on the testing tab. We're during a conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Greg Dillon, a retired law enforcement officer. He started as a Branford, Connecticut police officer, was an FBI agent for a, a while, and then a Connecticut State Police inspector and retired in 2009. He's also author of The Thin Blue Lie, an honest cop versus the FBI. His website is thinbluelibook.com. I'm sure during your career with the FBI, Greg, you got involved with lots of investigations. One in particular that I'm aware of was the Red Line Bandit. And this is when you were the Washington, D.C. field offices. Uh, Tell us uh, your your early days of that and how you got involved. Sure, Jay. Thank you. Um, Well, you know, it started off as a typical bank robbery call. Um, They were referred to as 91 was was the category. So a 91 new meant a bank robbery in progress. So the call goes out and we respond as, as we always do. And uh, it was sort of a standard 
typical one-person robbery. Um, young male waits in line, goes up to the counter, presents a, a note. Uh, the note is the man for money and gets a uh, small amount of uh of cash, um, probably I think it was under a thousand dollars, and and leaves the bank. Uh, nothing unusual about it. Sort of typical uh, for Washington D.C. bank robbery. Um, the problem was uh, this started to continue once or twice a week, and um, within a month uh, he had already robbed a half dozen banks this way. Um, only. Um, Weeks later, after the first one, did we realize that Baltimore had also experienced, I think, in Montgomery County, um, another uh, uh, bank robbery uh, by the same uh, by the same suspect. So uh, the pressure, you know, starts to increase when the media becomes aware of it, and you know, we are you know being located in Washington D.C. We're in close proximity to headquarters. So headquarters always feels they're entitled to, to nose in and ask you what the status is and, you know, what's what, any, any leads on this, which is never uh, welcome, uh, you know, uh, by the uh, by the investigating uh, agents, but uh, they can't help themselves. And why would and, that be, Greg? Why would why would investigating agent might not want to give a lead to uh, brass? Oh, it's not going to want to get a lead, but you're being micromanaged. It's like, well, what's the status of your investigation? And it's like, what, what do you care? Your headquarters. Headquarters covers the entire country, um, and now all of a sudden you have an interest in, in, in my case. Right. Um, I, I, I was trying to get at a, a certain point is one of the things that we didn't like was yes. when command staff would, would nose in on something that had nothing and some of them would have press conferences and start giving away information that, that should never be dispersed. Yes. No. More more often than not, Jay, what it was was somebody at headquarters' wife worked at a bank, you know, vice president or whatever, and now all of a sudden, you know, she wanted to know if, if there was any developments, and then he make a call, and it was just, you know, it's just, right. it just uh, you know, aggravation, if nothing else. But um, getting back to, to the red line bandit. Um, he would go in and usually wear something either over his head or around his shoulders or uh, layers of clothing. And uh, in two of the bank robberies, when we did a neighborhood canvas, we discovered an article of clothing um, either on top of or inside uh, a rubbish container at the metro uh, stops. And it became apparent that he was either... Um, either or both getting to the bank or leaving the bank by, by use of the metro stations, which is fairly effective because mm-hmm. they, they run quite often. And um, uh, all he would do is get into the, uh, the, the, the tunnel and uh, swap out his clothes. So now the physical you know, description other than the you know, uh, age and, and race and height was, was really worthless because you know, the person that went in wearing a black T-shirt and a white hat um, is now wearing no hat and uh, a red T-shirt. So um, it, it just increased his chances of successfully being uh, able to escape the area and, and do it you know, quite quickly and efficiently by using the uh, metro station. Uh, at, at one point, um, I decided that maybe our best bet, because this was happening way too often, was to try to determine what his prime day of the week was and his prime time and uh, assembled a ad hoc task force to try to saturate the stations that we had identified him using in hopes of either 
recognizing him from very poor quality surveillance uh, uh, footage that we had. Back then, Jay, as you, as you well know, it was black and white. It was 35 millimeter, often grainy. Yeah. And uh, it was really tough sometimes to, uh, to use those to our advantage. But um, we did that on two occasions. Um, one time uh, when we did it, we had set up, I believe, on nine different metro stations and... For whatever reason, that day, he did rob a bank um, on the day, and it's about the right time that we were set up, but he picked a bank that was way off of his usual path. Um, so we were out of position for that one. Uh, the next time we set up, he did not rob a bank, and then after that, uh, the management lost interest in, in putting people out at all the uh, metro stations because of the manpower commitment that it took. Um but on the second, I'm sorry, the first time that we used the the, uh, the task force and he actually did rob a bank, when we got there, uh, the description had gone out and it was, uh, again, a, uh, I think it was a Celtics baseball cap that was worn. Responding um, officers, actually it was in Maryland, um, located a individual male wearing um, Celtics baseball cap. And unfortunately, he was about 30 years older than what, what the suspect was, uh, should have been. Right. As it turns out, he was a homeless man who found a empty plastic red bag with clothing in it and it included the, the, base, uh, the, uh-huh. the baseball cap, which he decided he liked better than his old baseball cap. So he put that on. And when he was stopped and, and taken into custody temporarily, uh, he, he explained exactly how he came across the hat. Now, we had known that the, a red plastic bag was used to put the, uh, the money in when, they committed, when he committed the bank robbery. So now we had this red plastic bag of a store um, in, the, in the area, and we, um, you know, we, we had uh, a cap, but back then you know, DNA was really in its infancy, and it wasn't right. of any, uh, any use to us. Uh, went to the store. Showed the surveillance photos. Manager says, I think he's actually been in here before. Always spends a lot of money. Always has a lot of cash on hand. And uh, that was sort of it. Um, He just said, you know, if he comes back, we will call you immediately. I said, call 911 because they'll they'll get here before we do. Um, The local cops are around the corner and we're, you know, blocks and blocks away. Uh, Doesn't happen. Eventually, I go back, and the manager tells me that one of the cashiers who had rang him out previously um, mentioned to, to him that she had seen him walking through her neighborhood in Washington, D.C. And she recognized him not only from his face, but some of the clothes he was wearing were the clothes that she had, uh, that, that she had sold to him. Um, that was it. That's all we had. That's um, where... My partner... Here, here's the thing about that... that doesn't amaze me, Greg, and probably amazes a lot of people. A lot of major cases get apprehended, get arrested by what seems to be innocuous, vague, yes. not important tips. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show Return Conversation with Greg Dillon. He is a retired law enforcement officer and also author of the book, The Thin Blue Lie and Honest Cop versus the FBI. Website is thinbluelibook.com. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. 
We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Return a conversation with Greg Dillon. He's a retired law enforcement officer, started as a Brantford, Connecticut police officer, was an FBI agent for about five years, and retired from Connecticut State Police as an inspector. And he's also author of The Thin Blue Lie, An Honest Cop versus the FBI. The book website is thinbluelibook.com. Before we end the break, Greg, we, we started talking about how cases are solved. And quite often, it seems to be the innocuous, vague tip that doesn't seem to have any relation to what's going on. And the first thing that came to my mind, and it seems to be a big push with lots of politicians to eliminate traffic stops, car stops. And what I thought of was the Oklahoma City bombing and that the guy who was responsible for the bombing was stopped on a vague, innocuous car stop afterwards that seemed to have nothing to do with it. And that's how they identified him. And that's how they got him and arrested him, prosecuted him, and, and execution, all that stuff. When you got more information about this red line bandit, when did you start putting two and two together that this might be our guy? Well, at this point, Jay, he was up to a dozen bank robberies. Um, and he, he obviously didn't show any signs of stopping. Uh, so I, I sort of made it a priority to, to address this person because he's, he is what we you know consider a spree robber. He was right. going to rob and continue robbing until um, he either gets caught. I don't, I don't know what the game plan is, but I guess because uh, no amount of money is ever going to satisfy um, a, a spree uh, robber. As soon as they get it, they'll somehow go through it, and then they're right back to, to robbing banks again. Um, so um, my partner and I, um, once we interviewed the, the cashier, she, she gave us the uh, intersection where she had just randomly seen him walking down the street and uh, she was quite um, confident that it was it was him and he'd even acknowledged her with a head nod so we went to that intersection and it was a uh, a low-income area in washington dc we took the best surveillance photos that we had and we just canvassed the neighborhood um Every restaurant, every beauty salon, every pawn shop, every back then beeper store, um, everything. Um, started at the firehouse because, um, as we both know, sometimes they they like to uh, they like to pedestrian watch, and we just figured uh, that that would be a good uh, a good starting point. And uh, it didn't didn't resonate with them, and uh, no one uh, who had a business uh, either decided to. Um, Share their opinion with us, or or didn't recognize the person. Uh, and at this point, there was a reward, a significant uh, reward, and that didn't uh, encourage anyone to step forward. So eventually, out of desperation, we just started stopping random people on the street and asking them if they would look at the photographs, see if they recognized the person from the neighborhood, and no one even gave us a hint of recognition. Um, and so. 
Now we're wondering maybe this was a fluke. It could, it could she have maybe seen the wrong person, or maybe he was just in that neighborhood that one day, and that was it. And now it starts pouring rain, and we're standing under an awning, and we're just complaining about our bad luck and the lack of uh, results. And my partner, Dennis, having slightly better vision than me, spots two young men walking up the street toward our direction. Uh, He recognizes some of the clothing items from the previous bank robbery descriptions. And he says, I don't know. He goes, we we have a couple of likely suspects uh, coming this way. And then as bad luck would have it, they turned down a side street. Back then, uh, we did not have uh, portable radios or cell phones. So we were sort of in this no man's land of do I run back to the car, which is not nearby to get on the radio. Um, I opted to go right back to the firehouse, asked him to call 911, uh, gave a description of who we were and who we were going to stop. And then we took off down the street. We were able to get close enough to them before they were aware we were behind them and uh, took them down at gunpoint. And as soon as I uh, started handcuffing, I recognized uh, one of the one of the suspects was going to be my guy. Get and, out. Um, and he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? That's what they say. You got to be there to make it happen. I, 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 yeah, I reminded exactly. the exactly. old phrase, and I was taught this by an old homicide detective. He, he said, you know, murder cases are not solved behind the desk. Some of them are, mm-hmm. but they're solved. They're solved by gumshoe police work, by going out talking to people. Yeah. You got to be on the scene yep. to, to see the guy. Yes, no, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. If you hadn't have been there, you and your partner, he may have continued on. And he, well, I'm sure he would have. At some point, uh, his luck would have run out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he could have made those twelve bank robberies. He could have gone into, you know, twenty four bank robberies. I mean, who knows where, where it would end? But uh, I, I was glad because. This case was vexing to me, and I also was getting ready to apply to come back to Connecticut, and I wanted closure. I did not want to pass this off onto somebody else and have them um, get to make uh, the arrest. And so I was very, very lucky, and I felt very fortunate that I was able to put handcuffs on the person personally, uh, and within a couple of weeks, I had uh, applied to uh, come back to Connecticut. You know, it's funny now, Greg, and I say funny as it's more ironic First of all, I personally believe your chances of getting injured in a bank robbery are a lot less than being carjacked or having some other whack job uh, Mm -hmm. attack you on the street. Uh, You're Mm -hmm. far more likely to be a victim of a crime with someone you know than a stranger in a bank. Secondly, there was a time where we did all the business in a bank. I can't tell you the last time I've been in a bank. Right. Well, but it's funny, Jay, because back then we were averaging more than a bank robbery a day. And, yeah. and, and there were a, a, there were a couple of days we'd have multiple in a day. And one day I can remember going to five in a single day. So it, it was, yeah, banks were much busier. There were, there were, there were more, more of them. Um, and, and they were constantly had, you know, uh, you know, hours where customers would be in and out the entire day. And uh, it was an attractive target. It now was, I, I agree. It, it's, it's so it, it different. It seems like it's less likely. Yeah. We didn't leave the house when we were kids unless you had a dime to make a phone call with a payphone. So we all have smartphones. How do we exist without them? Secondly, the whole bank thing. We do everything online. I, I can't even sure. tell you the last time I wrote a check. Never. I want to sit there and say, oh, it takes me forever to get the year right writing a check. It's been years since I've written a check. And it's probably been yeah. almost as long since I've carried cash. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Everything is a card now or, or, or your, your smartphone, one of the two. And it makes me wonder, and I'm, I'm not an expert, and I don't pretend to be one on the radio, when the street criminal who is looking for a crime of opportunity, and that's a big element of, of crimes of opportunity, when people are not carrying cash, what do they do? I know that there's an increase in abductions going to bank walls or ATMs and PIN numbers and all that stuff. Uh, some people use the term kidnapping. We know that's slightly different than what most people think of. But mm-hmm. how does that affect violent crime in your experience working policing, FBI, and Connecticut State Police? Well, it seems like they, they, they branched out into um, more, more crime involving motor vehicles, whether it's breaking into cars, stealing, and, 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 you know, and basically looting a car, um, which happens quite often up here in Connecticut in nighttime hours. Um, you know, neighborhoods will wake up and there'll be, you know, 15, 20 cars that were, you know, burglarized, basically. Or, um, and then some are actually stolen. Um, you know, there, there's catalytic converter thefts. Um, there's carjackings on occasion. That, that's, that's more, more uh, rare. Um, but it, it seems like a lot of the uh, crime now centers around um, motor vehicle activity of some sort. It certainly does. And things have certainly changed. And I wish I had the ability to use the magic crystal ball and predict the future. I don't. I just know that a lot of what our modern day police are doing, and say police, that includes deputies, federal agents, they're doing remarkable things. And while we may talk about increases in technology, all that stuff is a help. It's often cases are solved the way Greg solved this case with his partner, Old school gumshoe police work. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're talking with Greg Dillon. He's a retired law enforcement officer. When we return, we're going to talk about his battles with the FBI. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book called The Thin Blue Lie, An Honest Cop versus the FBI. His website is thinbluelibook.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ever miss an episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus, all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. It's a Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley, returning to my conversation with Greg Dillon. He is a retired law enforcement officer, long career, started in 1978 as a police officer in Branford, Connecticut, then went to the FBI for about five years and returned to Connecticut as a state police inspector, retired in 2009. He's also author of the book, The Thin Blue Lie, An Honest Cop versus the FBI. His website is thinbluelibook.com. Greg, I got to ask you this. Some point in your life, you went through some tremendous battles with the FBI. The title of your book is is self-explanatory, An Honest Cop versus the FBI. That sounds very antagonistic. And sometimes it is that way. It is, but, you know, the thing is, it's hard to say with the title to... um 
Make it punchy, um, but not misleading. So it's not an indictment against the FBI agents. Um, it, it It is a harsh criticism and rebuke of the way they handled a complaint of misconduct. And when I say the way they handled it, the way they covered it up and try to minimize it and, and basically whitewash it. So that was my frustration uh, with them. I'm friends with a lot of uh, retired agents and I'm uh, still close with several of them that, that I worked with. And um, so I, I don't want to mislead anyone into thinking that this is a uh, some sort of an overall criticism of the agency. Um, Ninety-eight you know, percent of the agents are you know, straightforward, honest, hardworking law enforcement officers. Uh, but, but management and certain agents, um, you know, no one's perfect. No agency is perfect, whether it's a police department or, or a sheriff's uh, department or, or a federal agency. But, yeah. um, when, you know, when there's misconduct being committed, it needs to be addressed. And if you, if you don't address it, then, then shame on you for the way you handled it. And a lot of times, so when I went back, I'll say this, yeah. Greg, I agree with you 100%. And I, I, I've been separated. I've been retired from law enforcement for a long time. But I'm still very, very much a defender of the thin blue line people. And the mm-hmm. vast majority of police I know that I've worked with and ones I don't know, I'd say 99.9% of them do a phenomenal job. My problem mm-hmm. most of the time when we talk about police agencies or federal law enforcement agencies is command staff or administration that's where yep. the stuff really starts to stink yes no i agree so uh, in 1990 I, I was five years into my um, my service with the fbi could not get back to connecticut which is where i grew up where i wanted to be and decided my best option would be to apply for a state position um, and i applied at the chief state's attorney's office they have uh, positions that are called inspectors positions, which are basically investigators in high profile or, or major uh, case crime investigation out of that office. So I applied. I um, fortunately was hired uh, fairly quickly. And within a couple of years of different uh, assignments within the office, they decided, uh, the chief state attorney decided he wanted to create his own fugitive squad. Because at the time in Connecticut, uh, they were, we were experiencing a very, very high um, rate of, of failure to appears, right? People that get arrested post bond and then never make it to their court appearance. And this was becoming sort of epidemic. Uh, I, we're having a reoccurrence of it now also, but at the time it was epidemic uh, proportions. And he saw an opportunity there to fund a unit that did nothing but exclusively target uh, the most violent um, fugitives wanted on state charges. Within a short time of forming the unit, uh, the FBI and the New Haven uh, office also had a federal fugitive task force. I they extended an invitation to work with them. Uh, my uh, boss, who was the chief state's attorney, took advantage of it because now we had state troopers, we had inspectors, we had local detectives, and we had FBI agents all addressing the same uh, the same problem. Mm-hmm. And that was a good idea, and it, and it, it was very successful um, to the point where uh, when, I, when I started the, the unit, it was just me and a uh, Hartford uh, retired detective. Uh, within a fairly short amount of time, they decided to uh, augment the, the, the squad, so now there were six of us. Um, with that number of inspectors, they needed a supervisor. I was made the supervisor. And uh, we were still, you know, working with the FBI task force. Um, and you may be aware of this. The FBI, the, the, rate, the way they get their, their, their nose in the tent <clears throat> is by filing 
on occasion what they call unlawful flight to avoid prosecution warrants, federal warrants. Uh, they call them UFAP warrants. And basically, it's an additional federal charge if we can show that the person that we're looking for left the state in an attempt to avoid yeah. apprehension. Um, so that's their that's the way they piggyback into these into these local cases, and, which is fine. Uh, the problem uh, became at some point they realized that uh, there was a financial incentive to get a lot of these UFAP warrants uh, filed in federal court. Um, there's uh, what's called a financial incentive award, um, which is a $1,500 check usually and a letter from the director saying, great job. Uh, or it could be a QSI, which is a quality step increase, which is basically a, a bump in pay. Um, or in, in, in some instances, you know, a promotion. If, if the numbers, you know, reflect um, great effort and effectiveness, then, then they can justify um, you know, these different things. Uh, and this is funny, Jay, because you probably don't ex- have never experienced getting some sort of a raise or, or extra pay for making a certain number of arrests. No, that never uh, happened. Yeah, and I've never experienced that anywhere else but the FBI. I don't think it's a great idea. Incentivizing Um, police work is not a great idea, in my opinion. No, no. No, I mean, uh, you know, letters of commendation, medals, uh, whatever, you know, recognition I think is positive. Uh, Financial uh, awards I don't think is the way to go. And what happened was it, it it created an environment where now there was this, you know, this this ur- urgency or this drive to get more and more of these cases um, made federal cases by saying that the person left the state. Um, sometimes they did, um, and sometimes you know it, 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 we weren't quite sure. And what I discovered um, inadvertently was that uh, the coordinator of the task force um, was offended if a warrant was returned for lack of probable cause. And he announced to the office that because the, the U.S. Attorney's Office never prosecutes these uh, particular charges, uh, they always drop the, uh, the charge once the person's arrested, uh, that he was going to rewrite these warrants so they would have to sign them. How did you sure. get involved in this? Because I, I sense there is some whistleblowing and some retaliation. Yeah, so I, I, when I discovered that warrants were being falsified and the false information was being attributed to either me or some of the uh, inspectors that worked for me, I, I knew there was a crime being committed, and I reported it to my supervisor. The chief state's attorney eventually became uh, involved and uh, ordered us not to discuss this with anyone uh-huh. and that it would be handled internally. And then the next thing you know, we're removed from the task force, which was fine with me. But then as we were continuing to do fugitive work and we were doing it effectively and efficiently and safely, uh, we, we, we suddenly were told that uh, we ran out of funding and we were no longer working fugitives. Um, I was transferred to a distant location. The rest of the inspectors were sent around the state. And that seemed to be rather unfair because um, we were being punished and we were ordered never That's to discuss exactly it with anyone. exactly right. We're unfortunately out of time. Greg, you documented this, and there's so much more we can talk about. You documented this in your book, The Thin Blue Lie and Honest Cop yes. versus the FBI. Where do people get more information? How can they buy the book? Uh, well, they can buy it right from my website. And if they do that, um, I'm happy always to uh, dedicate it to someone or sign it or both. Uh, there's instructions uh, when they order the book that way on uh, how to do that. 
there's a lot of information on the website that explains what the book is about. It shows the actual affidavits that were falsified compared to the actual true versions of the affidavits. Um, photographs, um, Frank Serpico became involved. Dr. Henry Lee uh, was a, uh, a witness in the case. Uh, so uh, I think there's a lot there um, for people that have an interest in, in this type of subject, and I would encourage them to check out the website. And if they see what they like, they can order the book either from me or Amazon, Target, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart. They all seem to uh, have uh, have websites that, that, that have the book. And the website, again, is thinbluelivebook.com. Greg, thanks so much for your service. And secondly, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. You appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.